Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Marketing with a Book podcast. I'm your host, Henry DeVries. Thanks for being with us here today. So our mission is to help speakers and authors to accelerate what they're doing, to amplify what they're doing. And we have experts come on from the Indie Books family to share information on that. But as our tradition, we like to do a author roll call. So I'm going to call on you and we'll go around, unmute yourself when I call you and just uh, tell us your name and the name of your book. So we're going to start off with um, uh, Steve Brody and then Bill Leiter and we'll go from there. So. Hi, I'm Steve Brody from Houston and my book is uh, What Happens After the Sale. Uh, Steve, that's interesting. When you hold it in front of you, you disappear. You're like the invisible man. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to work on that. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's gone invisible on you, like Claude Rains. So, uh, but glad you're here. Uh, so, uh, Bill Leiter and then Brad Pierce. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Leiter, and my soon-to-be-released book is Mastering Your Balance. And then uh, Brad Pierce. Hey everyone, great to be here. Thanks, Henry. Uh, my name's Brad Pierce and my book is called Sustainability Mind Shift. Thanks. Okay. Um, Mark LeBlanc and Chris Hodges. Thank you, Henry. Uh, my uh, book is Never Be the Same. Hi, Henry, Chris Hodges, author of Succeeding with Intelligent Automation. Thanks. And then uh, David Hollingsworth and Diane Ployce. David, you might want to unmute yourself. Now I can say my book is called Get Out the Door, and I'm happy to be here with Judy on the uh, call. Thanks. I think Judy is who brought us together. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so uh, Dan Ployce and uh, Jeff Foley. Hi, my name is Diane Ployce, and the working title is Questions to Ask Before You Buy a Franchise. Okay. And then how about uh, Regina Barr and John Lockhorst? All right. Well, hold on. My name is Jeff Foley, and my book is The Message of You. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. That's not my book. This is my book, Brave Business Leadership. Grow competent, confident leaders to get great results. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Jeff. Sorry for stepping on your line there. Okay. Um, I think I was next, so I will jump you. in. I'm Regina Barr, and my book is Solving the Confidence Riddle. Okay. Hello, then, everyone. Uh, I'm John Lockhorst, and my book is Mission Critical Leadership. Okay. Uh, let's go with Mary Schmid, then Mason Harris, and then Megan Kent. Hi, I'm Mary Schmid. The title of my book is Make or break conversations. Hello, everybody. It's Mason Harris. Title of my book. Actually, it's not out yet. It'll be out next month, though. It's called The Chutzpah Advantage. Um, let's go with uh, Patty Watkins and Megan Kent. Hello, my name is Patty Watkins, and my book title is Land and Expand. Thank you. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Megan Kent, and my soon-to-be-released book is Build an Irresistible Brand, Harness the Power of Universal Human Instincts, Learn the Brain-Friendly Branding Drivers. How about uh, Tawana? Hi, everybody. Uh, my book is still under construction. The working title is Leadership Lessons from the Camino de Santiago. Did I uh, get everyone there? You missed me, Henry. Oh, I'm David, David Goldman. Goldman. And my book is The Road to Happiness, How to Get What You Really Want. Thanks. Okay. Well, uh, before we go on, we always like to hear from the chairman of Indie Books, Mark LeBlanc, if he had a uh, nugget for us today. Thank you, Henry. And what I would love to just uh, share briefly is nothing great happens if you leave it in your head or you leave it in your heart. 
the two most difficult questions for people to answer, in fact, uh, the second most difficult question for people to answer is, what do you want? And my thought or my encouragement for you today would take some time over the next uh, maybe 72 hours and make a list of what I call your 10 wants in the next 10 years. I refer to that as your ultimate lighthouse. Uh, make it a combination of personal, professional, health, philanthropic, financial. Um, what matters most to you in the next 10 years? And let these 10 wants in the next 10 years be your lighthouse guide. The first most difficult question for people to answer is, what are you willing to do in order to get what you want. Thank you, Mark. Mark, could you be on standby? I'm gonna shoot you a question during the middle of Judy's uh, introduction. Okay. Yes. So as I was traveling the country with Mark and we were putting on our marketing with a book summits, Mark said to me one day, Henry, you're funny on accident. You need to be funny on purpose. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you have to read Judy Carter's book, The Comedy Bible. And Mark said the midterm exam for her workshop in a book is to do an open mic night at a comedy club. And final exam is to go back. So Mark, what was your routine? Because you actually went into the comedy clubs and did the open mic? Oh, I, oh, I did all right. And my, my theme was women are crazy, men are losers. And it was based on uh, dating for the divorced. Uh, my practice marriage uh, came to an end in 2004. After 19 years, it was a goal that I had not remembered setting. But over the next eight years, um, you cannot make up the stories uh, that I experienced. And um, people have been wanting me to write that book, uh, uh, Men Are Losers and uh, Women uh, Are Crazy. Um, but, um, but yeah, I based my stand-up routine all on, I won an amateur talent contest in Minneapolis doing 10 minutes of stand-up on dating for the divorce. In fact, I won a $100 bill. First prize. It's one of my lifetime achievements. Thanks. So I read Judy's book and in it, um, you got to put together a three minute act and go to an open mic night. So I go to downtown San Diego to this comedy club and there is this lineup of freaks and weirdos waiting to get into the club. I mean, these are strange looking people and, you know, really bizarre things going on. And, um, and I'm there, you know, 60 year old guy. And this guy who was older than I came up and said, you look new. And I said, yes. He goes, well, I'm a CEO of a company and I do this. I don't use my real name, but I do this. It really sharpens my presentation skills and all that. I said, great. That's the same objective I have. So I go on and I have followed people who were talking about private parts and things like, uh, don't, you, don't you hate, uh, you know, fat girls? And uh, you know, somebody else is like, you know, isn't Paris an awful city? I thought, oh, we could all relate to this. Um, but I blew it. I, I, my big punchline that I got to I went over my three minutes, so they turn your mic off. So it was like the presidential debate, you know, nothing. So I, I get there and, and the, the old CEO comes up to me and says, uh, hey, you know, uh, I got to tell you something. Um, you, know, you know, it's like brave, brave, brave effort. That's always a good sign when somebody tells you what you did was brave. So it's a you know, brave effort. But I got to tell you, these people, they're not your audience. And I said, that's the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. I went back, 
I went to the comedy club in uh, comedy store in La Jolla and aced it. I did great for the final. And let me tell you, when you can make drunks laugh in the dark, the local Kiwanis and Rotary clubs, they're no problem. Okay. So I stalked Judy Carter for several years. I did Forbes articles on her. I would got her on Facebook. She, if she asked for something on Facebook, I was the first one to kind of suggest something and give it to her. Uh, was really contributing to finally I got on her radar screen and she said, you know, if you're ever going to be up in LA, maybe we should have lunch. And I call that my, I just happened to be going to Terre Haute strategy. So I called her up the next week and said, oh, I'm going to be in LA. If she had said no, the next week I was going to call her and I would just happen to be in LA. I was just going to be happened to be in LA until she finally had lunch, but it worked out. Now her bio says Judy Carter is the author of seven published books by Random House, Simon and Schuster and St. Martin's Press. I gotta say it's eight because Indie Books published the new comedy Bible and it is our bestseller. Uh, Judy is our best-selling author and also a very generous author has been kind to participate in our events and help other authors and offer free things to them or discounted uh, training on things like sizzle reels, just very generous in spirit. Um, you might recognize her from over a hundred television appearances. Uh, last year, Devin and I got to go to the Magic Castle in Hollywood as Judy uh, unveiled the new book and we uh, she spoke and we did the signing table and all that. Uh, just, just great to be around her, great history. She's been on Good Morning America and CNN and uh, all the other uh, talk shows. I, I won't ruin some of her act, um, but just say that uh, she's kind of a big deal. Uh, Judy, thank you for coming to speak to us. Um, I know the introduction shouldn't go longer than the presentation, <laughs> so I'll turn it over to you. Welcome, Judy. Jazz hands, welcome for Judy yeah. Carter. And uh, thank you. I, I I thought you were in LA. I didn't. <laughs> oh, you could. You know, it's very interesting because I do think if there's somebody, um, any of you really want to meet or talk to, I think everybody's accessible now. I think we all love flattery, and really, you could pick somebody you want, except for Barbara Streisand. I don't think she sees anybody. Um, it would be considered stalking, but uh, that is a good approach. You know, I think the it's the right approach. And Mark, I, I love what you said. You know, don't leave it in your your hand or your heart. And I I was last year I was walking. I was almost hit by a car, and um, I I didn't. I was just fine. But one thing that hit me was. I didn't, if I'm going to die, I didn't write my solo show and I've been wanting to write a solo show and a memoir. And it hit me then, oh my God, you know, life is finite and we have to do what we have to do. We have to, I mean, don't wait. It's, and especially during this coronavirus, I think that has all taught us that um, how fragile life is and that uh, do it now. So I'm so glad to hear all of your book titles. I really applaud you all. It's extraordinary. I know how hard it is to write a book um, and, uh, and how much you have had to devote your time to it. And now comes the hard part, selling it. Um, selling a book is you have to be clever about it. And what I thought would be helpful to talk to you all about today was how to pitch your book in, in one minute. And, you know, it's very easy to bring up that you're an author. Um, and then people say, what, you know, what, oh, oh, what is your book about? Um, you need to do it in such a way that people go, oh my God, I need that book now. I need it now. How, where can I find it? Where can I get it? How do I get it? Like, you want to create that kind of enthusiasm for your book. And when, and I always um, ask people, like, what is your uh, keynote about? Or what is your speech about? Or, you know, um, 
And the way they tell me what it's about really makes me see if they're a pro or an amateur, if it's something I would be interested in. And it really tells me where they are in their career. And so I decided to do a webinar uh, to help people with this, you know, free. Um, if you want to know, um, view it, I'll, I'll give you the, um, the link for it. But I, I wanna go over a couple of the things that I do in this webinar to show you that it's, it's such a difference between um, people being interested in all this hard work you put in, and especially if your book is good, I mean, you really want people to read it. Um, so when you, when you pitch your book, um, there's a certain way to do it. And, and I wanna talk, talk a bit about that because um, using this technique, um, I got a TED talk, like not even a TEDx, a TED talk. And a TED had put out this um, request please send us a one minute pitch on what you would like to talk about. Well, they got over um, 40,000 one minute videos and they had their committees and they sorted out and they picked 12 people to fly to New York to do just five minutes of, of a TED talk. And they picked me. And so, when I was there, it was really fun. I got to talk to the person who decides who gets these TED talks and um, what are they looking for? You know, and I got to, so I really decided that like, what did I do that got this talk that made me stand out? And what is it um, that she said to me that they're looking for it that made it, made it stand out? So when you pitch your book, you could take the way you do it, you can turn it into a speaking career because you know, the book has given you credibility. So that's really something you can't just have, right? It's something you really work to get. You have your book published. And that right there gives you credibility. So now let's talk about selling it. And you could turn that book into a webinar business. I have um, some of my students I've worked with, um, they have taken um, their message, turned it into a webinar um, where they sell coaching services and um, all sorts of things. So here's, let me tell you just the basic of how, how to do it. You have to communicate what you wrote as a message. I always think that before you even write um, a, a, let's say a speech, you really have to start with this one minute pitch. What is your message? Because if you don't, it's like a house built on a faulty um, foundation. When they build houses, they spent so much time on the foundation. Um, and then it seems like the house goes up very quickly. The same can be said for any of your projects. And, um, and I don't, like a lot of people come to me and go, oh, I want to punch something up. I want to make it funny. I go, well, tell me what your message is. So let's just get cut to the nitty gritty of this. So what is um, the basis of it? Basically, when you, someone says, what is your book about? Don't use these three words. I, me, or my. Well, my book is about, and. I, it's about my story and I did this and I did that. And, um, you know, I'm a big deal and I'm the, and, and, and people start talking about themselves in a rather narcissistic way. I know their book might not sell because of that, because what you're, what you really need to do when you, when someone says, what is your book about is to ask them a question about a problem that your book solves. Right, so ask them a question about what their what their um, what your book, your speech, whatever it is, solves. So 
so you can start it off with, well, you know how, you know, most people have this problem. And, and the way you tell the problem where you use like um, act outs, acting in it, whatever your book is about. Um, I'll give you an example. I was on a plane and the person uh, next to me asked me, um, you know, what I did for a living, I'm a speaker. And she wanted to know what I spoke about. Well, before I ever tell anybody what anything is about, I ask them about their favorite topic themselves. Because um, you have to play your message to the room. Okay, so let's just say when, you know, we're all in these meetups now or clubhouse is very big and I've I've been able to sell a lot of books through Clubhouse. But anyway, um, you really have to know what room are you in? Okay, so I, this woman on the plane said to me, well, you know, I work for the Navy. Um, I work with clerks and the civilian element. And I go, really, what sort of issues do you have? Oh my God, well, they cut our budgets. So people are doing so much more work. Um, it's very tense in the office. Um, people are resentful. We're losing a lot of people. And so she goes on telling me about her problem. And then she goes, well, what do you speak about? <laughs> well, it's so interesting how this works. I repeat back what she said to me. And if you, it's really odd. You might think she would go, well, I just said that. But that's not what happens. I would say, well, you know how people in the workplace seem to be overwhelmed with so much work because of recent cutbacks. And you go, yes, that's happening to us, right? Oh my God. It's like, she's looking at me like I'm psychic, you know, and I, how did I know that? You just friggin' told me that. Anyway, so they're cutbacks and, and it's kind of put an attitude of nobody likes being at work. And because of that, it slows down productivity and it's like everybody's moving through sludge. Okay. What I do, you know, which I've, and now I kind of drop in my credentials. Now I've got her attention. So what I do is throw in my credentials. Well, you know, I've done this for, um, now she's in the military. So my brain's go. Oh yeah, I've done this. I worked at, um, you know, Weed Army Base. I did this there. They were, they were having a morale problem as well, but I do this, you know, mostly in the corporate environment, FedEx. And, you know, I'm a former stand-up comic. I, you know, I was, uh, I traveled with Prince. I played, I was Atlantic City Entertainer of the Year. I played Vegas. And what I do is, you know, I bring, I teach people comedy techniques, not that they're going to quit their job and be a stand-up comic, but I show how to lighten up the workplace and, and deal with their issues, not with a sense of desperation, but with a sense of humor. And she said to me, oh my God, we need you. Please, God, can I have your card? Here's my card. Okay, so I do the gig for them. It goes really well. She recommended, this was at Port Wyneme Naval Base. And she recommended me, I ended up performing for the commander's banquet of all these military people, uh, you know, you don't mean this. <laughs> and, and I'm so different from that culture, that environment. I've never been in the army. I'm, I'm Jewish. Anyway, so I, I performed for the, um, um, the army, the navy, the, you know, all of this stuff. Um, um, God, I got to do it in the Air Force. They put me in a simulator. I mean, it's very cool when you do speaking engagements. They, they show you around. They treat you really nice. So basically, um, the issue is how do you build a bridge to the person you're pitching? Like, how do you build a bridge to your readers? Um, and it is by that hook. And it could even be one sentence. My first book, uh, The Comedy Bible, was rejected from 59 agents. This is before there was self-publishing. So you had to get an agent who had to get a publisher. And if you couldn't do that, your book would never be published. There was no such thing 
um, when I wrote Stand Up Comedy, the book, my first book ever, as self-publishing. So I couldn't get it. 59 rejection letters. And there was an email at this time. This is when um, Abraham Lincoln was president. And boy, we were dealing with um, white supremacy. And boy, it's time changed. Anyway, so um, what, what, what I did was um, I came up with a hook. And the hook was, um, um, do people tell you you're so funny, you should be a comedian, but you don't know how? Read this book and it'll give you a comedy career. Boom. People came out of the friggin' woodwork to buy this book. Oprah Winfrey called me and interviewed me on her show. And that hook, I just did a, um, um, a, I just did a, um, um, a class on, I'm doing tomorrow. If you're on Clubhouse, 2 p.m., I'm teaching a comedy class, but uh, Pacific time. But I said to everybody, you know, you guys are all funny. You just don't know how to do setups. And setups are the actually the most important part of the joke. So your setup to your pitch is what is the problem that people have that you can express really clearly. Ask them a question, a rhetorical question. Don't start it off talking about their least favorite topic, you. Ask a question about a problem they're having. You can go into detail about the problem or somewhat detail, a couple sentences. And then the solution is, that's why I wrote this book. That's why I'm committed. Whatever your book is about, you know, do you feel that, um, you know, if your book about marketing, do you feel like you have a really great service and nobody knows about you and you've hired people to SEO, you've hired, you've thrown, you know, you've hired a, a web designer and was kind of like throwing money out your front door. Nothing works. Well, I know why it didn't work. And, you know, this book will show you how to get your service out for very little money for, to a, a very specific niche audience. Ooh, God, I need that. So I think that's all um, I have to say. We could, we could chat now about this, but um, that's the basics. Hope that was helpful. Oh, I got questions. <laughs> um, Judy, I recommend The Message of You is the best book on the business of public speaking that I've ever read. And it's not just the mess to success stories, which uh, I advocate, but it's the message and the idea, if you want to get paid, um, would you please talk about there's not an oversupply of speakers who have a message who can launch a meeting or close a meeting? Could you talk about that? Oh, yes. I just got a book. I'm very excited. You know, it's been kind of, I've been getting, you know, webinar gigs and stuff, but I just got booked for full fee in Maui. Um, and I always ask when somebody books me, why? You know, what, what, what was it? And I think my message right now is um, of uh, stress. So here's, here's what I do. I'm, I'm an idiot savant with comedy. I know how to make anything funny. I, that's all I know. Comedy, writing, and basically how to breed tropical fish because I was president of the John Burroughs Junior High School Tropical Fish Club, but more about the comedy. So <laughs> it was closed down for indecency, by the way, because they found out I was showing fish uh, smut films. But anyway, uh, that's another story. So um, my, so I'm a comic. I know comedy. So when I went to speaking, I'm not just going to be funny. I have to wrap it around a message. So I invented one. Um, I became, I called myself a stress reduction expert. Am I a stress reduction expert? No, 
I'm very, very stressed out. But I admit that in my keynote. You know, what qualifies me is like, I have a lot of stress. <laughs> we all, we all, but do you know what I found out that we all speak about what we need to learn? So your book is probably something you need to learn that you wrote. So we were all like just talking to ourselves. But anyway, um, so, so I developed a keynote called Stress is a Laughing Matter, emphasis on is, you know, your life is a joke. And that's the good news. And, and, and I think in coming out of COVID, um, it's been a very gloomy year. And so I am framing now what I'm doing is we need to lighten up now, <laughs> you know, and it's been really hard and relating it to the experience people have had this past year. I haven't changed my website yet, but I'm, I'm now busy reframing what I do in terms of, um, of that. I'm also now going like, well, who, who needs to laugh the most? And then I'm going to healthcare workers. So um, who are a special place in my heart. And so I feel like um, that, again, everybody can't like you or everybody doesn't need you, but you really have to go and see um, what is your lane and who's in it. So, um, there's that. So healthcare workers also is very a uh, female driven field. And um, they, they're most mostly when I speak, they go, Oh, thank God a woman's here. We're so sick of um, athletes, male athletes. And so um, I am now banking on that and, um, and banking on the fact that people really, really want to lighten up um cope with stress and and just have a good time so that's what i'm finding is working for me i really recommend to everyone go on audible and get uh the message of you judy reads it um, <laughs> listen to it um very powerful about your sister and what what brought you to the revelation of this. The, the other thing I wanted to share is, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll form it in the, I'll form it as a question, like on Jeopardy, yeah, sure. this is the form of a question. Um, oh, Judy, why do you think the really bad things that happen to us in life are comedy gold? <laughs> you know, when we when we when I have a stand up class, which I'm actually having a showcase very soon tonight, uh, um, I'm teaching online now online stand up six week classes, um, and that's the first question we I uh, we ask our students: What's bad in your life? What's went wrong? What's you know what's problematic? Um, and we also go: What group do you belong to? Because I think right now you need to belong to a group. Um, you need to represent a certain point of view. And that, that's even if you are a speaker or um, an author or anything, um, you really have to belong to a group. Um, the things that went wrong in my life, um, which is what my play is about, is um, I became at a very young age, a female magician. And uh, I become a female. I mean, I was born one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I sound like I became, yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, I was a female magician, which I ended up actually making a living for many years of my life on the road as, as, as a magician. Um, and um, what I discovered in writing my memoir, um, which is really a deep dive into your life, um, I discovered the reason that I did that was my sister, older sister, Marsha was born with severe cerebral palsy. And when she was eight, she was given away. And um, all she did was say, you know, one word after that, home, home, like that, like with anger on her face and, and, you know, here I am six, my older sister is given away. She's screaming to go home. She's in an institution of, you know, people with, um, 
you know, like a snake pit, you know, people with huge heads and no, no, no limbs. And I'm a kid and I'm going there. So when I saw my first magic show, that's all I dreamed about was having the power to help her escape to, you know, I read everything I could about Houdini and, and I, uh, and, and, and about, um, levitation and restoration. And so those themes in my life became huge. And that's what I'm writing my play about. So at the end of my life, my end, uh, well, whatever, I'm you know, not a youngster at the end of my life, I'm really writing about the beginning of my life. And so here I was very traumatized as a child and I also had a, a father who is abusive. So the desire to, to do magic obsessed me. And it gave me everything I have to this day. So it's those things that you say were painful in our lives. We all have painful things. We're human. Let's face it. You know, there's no happy endings in this life. You know, fall in love, someone's going to die eventually. I mean, <laughs> there's no happy endings. We have to uh, cope with that. But I do believe in the power of transformation. And I do believe that, um, that with the right shift, the, like the angle, these things can be all sorts of things, a book, uh, like I said, a speech, a play, a poem, whatever you want to express it. But Everything, you know, like as, as, as Mark said in the beginning, uh, that becomes your lighthouse, that thing that your whole life. And that's why I wrote the message of you, because I do believe that everything we do comes from a rather painful place in our childhood. Now, a lot of people will say, well, I've had a happy childhood. And anybody who says that um, has an unexamined childhood because it's impossible to escape without any some kind of breach of trust, getting a wedgie, <laughs> you know, being bullied, something. Uh, it's impossible. So if you're not examining, I think as, as writers, we all need to really do a deep dive into our lives to discover what is that? And I feel like I'm onto something of my greatest work that I'm gonna do um, and I've um, had a Broadway producer read my play and he's very interested, um, especially because it's just one person. So it's a cheap show. Um, it's got a lot of magic in it. So it's highly entertaining, but it's a very deep, you know, it's a very um, emotional story as well. And uh, oddly enough, very funny. Judy, uh, <laughs> I know. I know there are no happy endings, but I, I want to take this to a happier place. Um, and something that's the genius- Broadway is not want. happy enough for you? And I might be going to friggin' Broadway? It's not, I mean, <laughs> that's I'll, the best revenge. I'll be there. <laughs> uh, producer seats, I hope, but I'll be there. And, and you know what you're gonna say? You're gonna, I was just in the neighborhood. I was just in the neighborhood, thought I'd swing into your play. Okay. When Mark was going through a lot of pain and he did his comedy act on that pain, um, I, there were two things, I won't get into details, but there were two things of, I was ashamed of in my life. So thanks to your book, that's what my bit was on. That's what my act was on. And something changed when you when I did that and I took ownership of it and I'm not ashamed of those things anymore. I'll, I'll talk about them to anybody. It, it's just this power that you get from owning it. Um, has that been your experience? Uh, yes, 100%. And um, I have discovered when, when I, you know, of course, when we speak, we do stories. And when my stories became more personal and less funny, matter of fact, it was a gig for Genentech. And the woman, the CEO of the company said to me afterwards, because I had to do, I had to do a speech every day. So 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And she goes, and the last one I went, you know what, I'm just gonna tell a story. I have, you know, no more jokes. 
And I did, and she says, that was your best. And I go, but it wasn't funny. She says, you are funny. You touched us. And I've never understood that power before as a stand-up comic of like, get to the joke, get to the joke, get to the joke, get to the joke. And by letting go of that, um, there was something deeper that happened. And I liked that. So, um, but does it transform me? I, I don't know. I mean, does it make me feel more powerful? It, yeah, I guess so. I guess, I mean, here's the thing. You're uncovering things. And when you uncover things, it is painful and to look at, it's hard. Certainly humor is shame-based, you know? Uh, no wonder every comic starts with, I can't get laid, I'm so fat, you know? God, I'm divorced. You know, it's all shame-based humor in, in America, at least. Um, so does it help, I guess, yeah? Certainly, I mean, it's been a hard year, not uh, performing and not hearing laughs. I, it, 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 this is what I found. That's why I can't do my show virtually because I, I did do some things virtually and I walked away with my pain. So I, I think the pain leaves in the audience's reaction. So when I share and the audiences laugh or when I'm speaking and they come and we hug afterwards and go, oh my God, my father was even worse than yours. Thank you so much for talking about it. Oh, the, in that, there is transformation and relief in sharing it with another person. Not necessarily virtually though, because then you turn off the camera and it's like, okay, I'm by myself here. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it, I, I, I think the, when I think of it, because no one's ever asked me that question before, but when I really deeply think about it, I think it is in the connection with other people who have uh, had similar experiences. Mark, I'm going to ask you a question in a second relating to this, but uh, we have somebody in common, uh, Frank King, and Frank King. Oh, Frank, uh, yeah. Someone who Mark and I had uh, worked with for years, and he ran through a rough patch, and then um, he was doing better. And I was talking to him, and uh, he he said it was the message of you, and that's why I had to tell him. Well, have you told Judy Carter that? No, so I had to have <laughs> him tell you about. But um, and now he teaches for his me. revenue. Yeah. But he's talking about um, suicide. And you can't make fun of something unless you're part of the group. And he can say, you know, I know what the barrel of a gun tastes like in your mouth, but he's helping so many people now. And they have that experience you just said, where they come up afterwards and say, I didn't know anybody else felt this way. Yeah, well, here's the thing. And I think it's all important to do this kind of work on our message. And is that the statistics specifically of, uh, Healthcare suicides, physician suicides. I have another uh, client um, who I helped write a speech. She also talks about uh, suicide prevention for physicians. So the only reason she gets hired so much is because that is a real problem out there. So I always tell all my clients that I coach is, and they go, I want to talk about this. This is my keynotes about that. And I said, well, let's Google your topic. Oh, look, 10 people a month are searching for your topic. You're not going to get booked. It's not, you know, people, Google's your friend because, um, because you, this is the biggest problem. And especially even comedy where you tell a joke and, and it's dead. And then you go, oh, I guess that's just me. Yeah, it's just you. So the same thing with your message or your book or whatever you want to write is like, d does your book answer a question that people are searching for on Google? So I have a thing in my browser called keywords everywhere or something like that. And it tells me what, how many people are searching for what. So I, I tell people, don't waste your time. Yes, it's a big topic for you. But when people have a problem, who do they turn to? They turn to Google. Google, how do I do this? How do I do this? Google, you know, how do I deal with my suicidal ideation? Whatever it is, they go to Google. So you can look that up yourself and go, mm, 
I can, I have to tweak this topic because nobody is looking for what I'm dishing out. I, I use that for my Forbes.com columns and Frank King was on a cruise ship and he, he said he had to do a family friendly show. And then at 10 o'clock he had to go blue. <laughs> and I said, let me give you a list of the top things that they're searching for on Google. And it was, a, they, they want to do some, they, they're interested in some very odd things on what you can do with body parts. So uh, <laughs> Frank made a routine out of it. Mark, I was going to go to you about um, what you shared with me once about the, the secret of what it feels like to make people laugh. It's, it's that like dirty little secret of, of what happens when we make people laugh. Because I felt bad that Judy didn't get as much of that as she usually does. Um, well, would you share? Well, I think um, it was Kent Rader, uh, who's a big fan of Judy's, gave me a copy of the Comedy Bible, um, I would say just one or two years after my separation in 2004, and I began to study it voraciously. Um, in NSA, we have a joke that says, you know, uh, if you, if you want to see your fees go up, make them laugh. Um, your content is secondary to the experience that you create and it's story and humor that creates that experience. But I certainly have a deep well of expertise, um, but I was going nowhere. Uh, people enjoyed my content, my strategies, my practices, but it wasn't until I started adding a humor to my presentations that that the requests would come in. Of, well, we don't really care what you speak on. We just want to know if you're available. And I saw my fees go up and it was less about business development and more about the experience that I cre could create. But when you have that presentation where your humor is hitting and you're on, it's the one of the greatest highs that yeah. you can be on. I, I went to Tim Gard and I said, why didn't you tell me that it was so much fun to make people laugh? And Tim didn't even miss a beat. He said, shh, don't, don't tell anyone. That, <laughs> that, that's our secret. He's so funny. Yeah. It's, you know, like someone was saying the other day that it's, it's, we have all the information we need. You can look again on Google and find out anything you want to find out. But it's how you present your information. And uh, if you present, I think the joke at NSA was, um, you know, um, oh God, now I can't remember it. Um, um, oh, do speakers have to be funny? No, only if they want to be paid. Only if they want to be paid. That's, that's, that's the joke. But boom. Ba boom. Hey, Judy, uh, Chris Hodges asked, how do you balance your message? Uh, that they want with the need uh, with your personal story and what you want to share and not making it all about you. How do you walk that line? For what? what? I For, because you have, you're, you're doing this research. Like, this is what they want to hear, but there's something I want to say. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, um, people confuse story with message. You really don't have, um, you might have like, a short sentence about your message, about your story, you know, um, about that, well, I went from like a mess to success, you know, I went from having a speech impediment to being a, you know, world-renowned keynote speaker. Whatever it is you're talking about, you can use that. Um, but people go, well, I have this story. Well, no one really wants your story. It has to be framed by a message of value for your audience. But I find that you can insert that story in any speech. Like a lot of people will say, here's a story I want to do. Okay, well, let's do it like uh, this could, this relates to your third action point. You know, this is your third action step for the audience to take. And that's when you could tell this story. Um, so I only um, tell a story 
to illuminate um, something for the sake of my audience. You know, like maybe I'm, I would tell the story about my sister, Marsha, um, to, to go that, you know, there is nothing we cannot turn to humor. You know, if you look in your life, there's something. So, so I, might, I might do it that way. So to illustrate that, but we don't, a lot of people go, I need to tell my story. No, you didn't get enough attention as a child and we don't have to all suffer because of that. You only tell your story um, to illuminate your um, points to an audience. There is other, any other reason is simply from narcissism. <laughs> well put. Oh, okay. Um, Judy, thank you so much. I see our time is up. Uh, you're so generous and so helpful. A pleasure. Thank you. Just one note for everybody. Um, this weekend, Mark LeBlanc is having his 154th Achievers Circle retreat. I've been to 20 of them. Uh, they're great. Um, it, it really helps me reflect on my business and where I'm going. And I'm always in a different place. So I pick up something new. So if you enjoy Mark's insights and you need a great shot in the arm, uh, contact him and, and see if there uh, is still a seat that you can attend. Oh yeah, he's terrific. I worked with Mark, you know, and he helped me develop a product that's going really well. So I do that. And, and by the way, if you want to have the message review formula, um, I'm offering that for free. Just email me free at judycarter.com and I'll send you that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Mark, for holding up my book. But uh, yeah, email free at judycarter.com and um, I will give you that. And also I'm offering free subscription to the university and uh, no strings attached. I'm giving it away. I'm giving it away, Henry. I'm nominating you for the Nobel Prize of Humor. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Nice talking. Thanks, everybody. Nice seeing all of you. Uh, thanks for being with us, and we'll see you on another episode of the Marking with a Book podcast.